With the 21st pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Billy Price, center, Ohio State. That is how it sounded. I'm James Rapine, and welcome in to the Locked On Bengals podcast. A lot to get to on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. I wrote about Billy Price, the Bengals picking him at LockedOnBengals.com. You should check it out. As always, you can subscribe iTunes, Twitter, uh, iTunes, Twitter, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher is the one I was going for there, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Solomon Tetman's Prospect Spotlight is really good on Billy Price as well. Check that out. Uh, I'm calling him William Price. I'm going to call him William Price. Joe Goodberry coming up in just a second. Don't fret, Bengals fans. At least they filled a need. Sometimes reaching is okay. I mentioned it and wrote about it. Uh, about a thousand words. LockedOnBengals.com. I encourage you to check that out. And without further ado, let's get to him. Because he's a man I know you want to hear from. I know uh, you were bummed. I know a lot of people were bummed when Frank Ragnall was picked one pick before the Bengals could get him. I have no doubt in my mind Frank ne- Frank Ragnall would have been the pick. Joe, let's start there. Uh, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Let's start with that. What went through your mind when Frank Ragnall was picked 20th, just one pick before the Bengals were on the clock? I screamed out loud. Yeah, D- uh, did you really? I did. What, um, what word? Oh, I screamed fuck. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Oh, man. I, re- I really did. And I was at my buddy's house, right? And his kids were sleeping. And it was just him and I. We've always watched the draft, you know, for the last 15 years or so together. And I stood up and I, you know, I, I kind of like clapped my hands, punched together, you know, and just and just yelled out because I knew what that meant. I knew Frank Ragnow going at 20 meant Billy Bryce at 21. And it, that's not a reflection of Price. It's more of a reflection of... I felt James Daniels should have been the next center drafted. Um, and knowing it would have been Price was kind of like, no, the Lions got us. I think the difference between right now and Price was significant. So for me, uh, to miss out on, on that by one pick was, uh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, it sucks. And I get it. I, I understand it. And now let's move to the 21st pick. Because did you instantly, because this is what I thought. I was like, okay, this is William Price. They, they're going to yeah. pick Price here. It's just how their board is. That, that's how you felt as well? It's completely. And then that's why I yelled out when Ragnar was taken. Because I knew that meant Price. And so the next 10 minutes was just waiting for it to be official. And so it happened. And here's the thing. I get it. I understand. We've talked about it. James Daniels probably has the most upside of any of the centers in the draft. Frank Ragnow has uh, the best mix of upside slash ready to go slash size slash athleticism. And he gets ripped out from under them one pick before. But as far as Billy Price is concerned, I think it was a safe pick. I, I think instead of rolling the dice and trying to see if he would be there at 46, they go, they fill their biggest need. And I get it. People feel like it's a reach. I understand it. At the same time, I also think it's a a huge upgrade at center. And considering where we were a couple months ago on the offensive line, the Bengals turned the 12th overall pick into Cordy Glenn and and William Price. So I, I struggle with this because they didn't get the best player, projected player. And even Dave Lapham said it on their uh, radio guys recap at Bengals.com. So that's there because James Daniels might end up being better. That said, they get a guy that's certainly better than Russell Bodine. Oh, 100%. That's not, you know, that's the part is 
they completely upgraded uh, the center position from what they've had for the last 10 years between um, Eric Geichek to Kyle Cook to uh, obviously Russell Bodie in the last 10 years. That they've had a disaster at center. So, uh, yes, it's the best center they've had in probably 25 years. It's a good pick when you look at it that way. When you consider they got Cordy Glenn and Billy Price, two starters on an offensive line that needed it with basically one pick, that's it's, that's fantastic. It really it's not that Price um, is a bad player. It's it's a hard thing when you're looking at it from a draft perspective as an analyst or, or whatever the case you are. If you're even if you're a fan, you say you want to meet value and, and, and meet a player that say if his if Billy Price, the highest he probably would have gone in this entire draft, healthy or not, was probably 21. I don't I don't see him be going any higher than that in any other scenarios. The lowest he probably could have gone if teams felt he was injured and, and, and wouldn't have taken him or, or let him slip a little probably would have been 46. So it probably was the Bengals all the way. It just depended on where he was going to slide to. So the Bengals took him at the very top, or if you want to look at it, the very low uh, lowest of his value. And uh, that's that's the the bummer of it is that if in two, three, four years, Billy Price isn't the second best center out of this class. Then the Bengals made a pick that will make you scratch your head a little bit. Um, if Ragnall's better, that's fine. They never had a chance. If James Daniels ends up being better, and this is a good center class, there may be a mid-round guy that ends up better than Billy Price. You, you, we're going to look at this and say, yeah, they took a safe guy. Um, but sometimes this team needs to swing for the fences. You know, they took a double. They hit, they hit for a double here and didn't really risk and try third base with James Daniels. They just said, we'll, we'll take our double, get in scoring position, and, and, you know, round out this draft with the rest of the picks. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Yeah, it's, to me, and you mentioned a scenario before we started recording that, that I'll let you mention, but I think it's one of those things where you, you risk just looking back on and being so disappointed. That being said, I also think that the, the Kevin Zeitler thing, that, and that, that's where I, I look, and obviously David DeCastro ended up being better, the better player. Kevin Zeitler was really good for the Bengals. And he yeah. was a guy that helped out a ton, and we miss him tremendously or, or did last season. Billy Price, to me, if, if he can be that, and he's might not end up being better than James Daniels, who goes later, might not be as good as Frank Ragnow or, or go to as many Pro Bowls as Ragnow does for Detroit, but is just steady, really solid center who starts all the time and is actually good. Bodine started all the time, wasn't good. If Billy Price can turn center from a weakness to even being average in the NFL to slightly above average and start all the time and be as durable as he was at Ohio State, I still think it is a win and we'll look back on it and say, well, hey, they might not have gotten the best center, but they got a guy that actually helped them win, helped them run the ball because last year they couldn't run the ball. The DeCastro Zietler um, comparison came up on Twitter yesterday and I thought it was fitting also because the Bengals had a chance to take David DeCastro that year. They traded back, allowed the Steelers to take DeCastro, uh, and they took Ziegler, which Ziegler was a good player, a solid player. I mean, he could have probably made a Pro Bowl if he wasn't playing in Cincinnati for those five years. So I, I see Billy Price being very similar to that. Yeah, you're going to get a solid to good starter. He's very good at what he does. Um, the part of it is, and like Ziegler and DeCastro, 
the Castro gives the, the Steelers something on offense that maybe no other guard in the NFL gives them, or really just very few. His polling ability and his ability to move is what gives them their offense. The, how many times do you see DeCastro polling and Le'Veon Bell's right behind them, and it kills the Bengals? It's it's that special ability that really makes him attractive for me as, an, as a draft analyst. And so when I, when I look at these these centers this year, um, the special abilities were with Ragnall and Daniels because of athleticism and length. That's Those are things that Billy Price will never have. That doesn't mean he has to be a bad player. What it means is the Bengals have to be sure of what they're doing. And, and what I mean is uh, you have to run more man stuff, more power, more gap scheme stuff with Billy Price. Because if you do, he's going to be really good. If you ask him to climb to the second level or get that reach block in zone, he's not going to be as good. So it's going to be up to the Bengals. If they play to his strengths, he'll be a very good player to them. If they ask him to do what they did, ask Russell Bodine to do a lot of times, you're going to expose Billy Price, and that's not what you want to do. So uh, for me, when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that DeCastro-Zietler comparison fits. And it also reminded me of the year they took Dark West and Art. Uh, they liked Kendall Fuller, who led to the Bears, uh, uh, or a little bit, I think it was Kyle Fuller. I'm sorry, Kendall's his brother. He, he went at 14 or 15 in the first round, and that's the Frank Rag now, in my opinion. Uh, the next guy, and it came on the clock for the Bengals, was they wanted corner. Obviously, they went Dark West Denard. I thought at the time they should have went Jason Barrett, who went either the next pick or the pick after to the Chargers. And while he's been injured, his, his play and his top-end play has been Pro Bowl ability. And I thought he had that ability. I thought that difference was there on tape where Barrett was a much better athlete, had the top-end speed, had the change of direction, man-to-man skills that will separate him from being an average player. Uh, Dark West Denard was a solid, good starter for a long time at a big program and had some limitations. But the Bengals felt comfortable with that, and I, I think that's how it is. If you get a Denard at center, I think you're okay. You're, you're happy with the pick in four or five years. Um, what happens in five years when the Bengals have to resign a solid but not great interior offensive lineman? That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it will. Jane, uh, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joining us. And I'm looking here, and I saw Greg Gabriel just tweeted this out, and it, it's certainly interesting, especially looking at, at the center position. Medical issues kept Harold Landry and James Daniels out of the first round. Said he doesn't know how far they'll slide. I expect Landry to go, honestly, probably pick 33 to the Browns tonight. It'd make a lot of sense in my eyes. I do want to get to the AFC North, what happened across the division with Joe, and then obviously what the Bengals could do tonight and tomorrow in the draft. But the one more thing here on James Daniels, because I think the, the appeal for Price was that he could start and be their guy, plug and play day one. And the reason that's so interesting to me, Joe, is he's injured right now. Right. He, he's, he's rehabbing a pectoral injury, and fans are losing their minds. And I get it because it doesn't seem like the Bengals can draft a healthy first-round pick. They haven't done it in quite some time. And what does that say about James Daniels then? If the Bengals were, one, looking for a plug-and-play guy, they put Billy Price ahead of him at that spot. And I think a big part of that has to do not with upside, with the fact that they think he can start against Indianapolis in September when they take the field week one, even though he's injured, and now we see that uh, medical issues have kept James Daniels out of the first round. And I was, I was kind of curious if that's what it was for Daniels. Uh, a couple of days ago, when 
pretty much we learned that price was ahead of Daniels on the Bengals board. I did some digging afterwards uh, because, you know, sometimes you get a random Twitter account that says something to you that, you know, sends up a flag in your head. And I said, okay, uh, Daniels may have issues here. So I, I did a little bit of digging with some people that around the NFL, some reporters that maybe could find better information than me. Uh, most of them said they didn't hear anything, but one guy did say, yeah, he had a knee injury in 2016 that have caused some uh, red flags for some teams, but he didn't think it was an issue. But now that we see Daniels not going to the first round, uh, and maybe that's what it is, and that, that, that's interesting, and maybe why the Bengals didn't have him. But, yes, for Price, and, and look at it. Look at the last five years. Dark Lesnar, we mentioned him. He barely played that rookie year. Now, he wasn't hurt when they drafted him, but he ended up being hurt in camp and having nagging injuries all that rookie year. Um, Cedric Obwehi, he was injured the end of his college season. He wasn't able to participate in, in, in the draft process. He was supposed to be cleared for camp. He wasn't, and he only played five games, I think 65 snaps that rookie year. Um, the next year was William Jackson. Now, he was healthy but he tears his pectoral in camp and misses the entire year. And then John Ross, who had an injury list as big as anybody I've ever seen, they take him at nine, he was supposed to be cleared for camp, and obviously we saw Apple with him and his 17 snaps as a rookie. So now they're rolling that, they're playing with fate again, rolling that dice again with a guy you know is injured but should be cleared for camp. Bengals luck, we're going to get to camp, but he's not cleared. Oh, right? don't I mean, do that. Is, don't do that. Hey, but but I, I I will argue. I mean, he made he's made the most starts in Ohio State football history on the offensive line, fifty five consecutive. But, but only fourteen at center. So if you want to say he's a plug and play starter at center, he's had the least amount of starts at center than Ragnow and Daniel. It was last year so, though. But yes, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Total is it's been in their careers. So yes, he is. 55 starts, plug and play. You know what would be interesting, though, James, and we're going to get to day two prospects. What if they do like Daniels enough to take him at 46 if he was still there? And Price, who a lot of people thought would be a guard, uh, plays guard. And a lot of people thought Daniels could play guard. I mean, they could end up in that scenario where, yeah, they drafted Price, but here's back-to-back offensive linemen. Let's let's find the best guys at the, at the right time. The way they did with the boy he and Jake Fisher. Yeah, and, and that, to me, would be very, very very interesting because honestly you have a guy in, in Billy Price who played all three interior line spots in college. Yep. You have a guy in James Daniels who I think they like. It's not like they don't like James Daniels. They like his upside. I, I think they believe that he could be a really good player in the league, but the plug and play fashion in which they needed a center, I, I don't think they wanted to put all their eggs in the James Daniels basket at 21. If he's there at 46, I think it will be interesting. And uh, in a couple minutes, I do want to get to day two picks uh, for the Bengals. But real quick, I want to look at the AFC North, look at what a bunch of these teams did. And and obviously the Browns, they were in prime position to get their quarterback of the future. People are ripping them for what they're doing. Browns fans disappointed. I have some Browns fans that uh, friends that are Browns fans, and they text me like, "What the?" And, and they were just very upset to use your words, um, but uh, I'm not going to use them because this is a family <laughs> program. Uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield goes first overall. I like it. I think um, I, I would have probably, if I'm the Browns, went safe. Sam Darnold is the safest guy in my eyes. That being said, I think Baker Mayfield could end up being the best quarterback in the draft. And then Denzel Ward. Look, if you He's obviously the highest-rated corner in this draft. If you were going to take him at 7 or 8, and I wrote about it yesterday, thinking that Ward might be a fit for the Browns if they could trade down, if you don't find a partner to trade down with, why not just take him at 4 if you love him that much? Uh, To me, I like what the Browns did. I think they're 
of all the teams, and part of it's uh, in the AFC North, and part of it's where they're drafting one and four. I think they got the best draft, the best haul yesterday. Yeah, I think they finessed it pretty well, and uh, I like Ward and I like Mayfield. So to be honest with you, I think they had the best draft in the AFC North. Yeah, it's just in. That's one of those things where people are going to be because Chubb is the guy, and, and people react. But if they get Landry today at thirty-three. I think that it's it was worth it to pass on Chubb to get Ward because there isn't another corner in this draft like Ward. No, there isn't. And you're right. For Chubb and Landry, I didn't think there was a huge gap there. Uh, and if they're able to, to acquire Landry with the next pick, Harold uh, Landry we're talking about, obviously, the pass rusher, if they can do that, then, yeah, it makes passing on Chubb easier and understandable. All right, and let's get to uh, the Ravens. And, and Actually, no. Let's go to the Steelers and then get to the Ravens because I think the Ravens might take a little longer. I don't know what the hell the Steelers are doing. 28 overall, Terrell Edmonds. He was projected to go today, probably round three. Didn't it feel like a reach? A- a- am I wrong about that? I mean, was he? did you have him higher on the board? Where did you have Terrell Edmonds? What do you think about the Steelers grabbing the safety from Virginia Tech? I have him as a mid-round target, which could be late third, fourth, maybe even fifth round if he falls. So uh, I know a lot of people that like him. I just don't think he was a special player. And they, look at who the Steelers have drafted a defensive back over the last 10 years. It has not been pretty. Um, you have to think they're betting on themselves again, and, and their track record really speaks for itself. That Maybe they thought they were making, taking his brother, Tremaine Edmonds, that linebacker. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, he's still on the board. Let's take him. <laughs> That's really what it felt what like. Doing. I was like, Edmonds? Edmonds is gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he's got a brother? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, good for them. I mean, good for us. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the final thing, Hayden Hurst, 25th overall. I asked you the other day about him at 46. It didn't sound like you were a fan of his. And then, obviously, Lamar Jackson goes to the Ravens as well in the, with the 32nd pick. They get the, the heir to Joe Flacco, potentially, as Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, he falls all the way to 32, but they get him. Yeah, I, that's really the focus. I mean, Hayden Hurst, he may upgrade their tight end unit, but I'm not really scared of him. Uh, Lamar Jackson is scary. And if he turns out to be anything, if he can sit for two years behind Flacco, um, who knows? I mean, uh Man, he looked motivated. Did you see when he was drafted? He was—he looked like he was full of energy he looked pissed and, off. And, and anger. He looked yeah. so pissed. <laughs> and I, I was like, I, my reaction was like, oh, no. <laughs> From a Bengals perspective, yeah, that was a – they got their quarterback of the future. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You'll hear uh, an interview I did with Billy Price last night coming up uh, after we get to some day two, day three prospects here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And, Joe, let's talk about 46, because I think there are a lot of players still available for the Bengals, and, and rightfully so, but I think they're going to get a really good player at 46. Who do you think, you mentioned James Daniels, who do you think that the Bengals should have their sights on? Who do you think fans should hone in on and could be the guy at 46? Yeah, my top guy's available. I'm looking at my board right now, and I, I keep it updated. It'll be updated on the athletics, so you get an idea of uh, who I think the Bengals may target, but... Obviously, I have Harold Landry at the top. I don't expect him to be there at 46. Uh, I feel the same way about James Daniels. I think he probably goes in the top 10 picks there. And I also think Josh Jackson, the corner from Iowa, again, probably goes in the top 10 picks. I do like the secondary um, tier of corners, so maybe Jackson's going to get mixed into there. Maybe he's still there. I think that would be interesting. Uh, Will Hernandez, guard from UTEP. Again, I think he probably goes in the top 10 picks, but 
guys fell yesterday, and this is really when teams start to reset their board. If he's still there, I think it gets really interesting. Maurice Hurst, because of his medicals, we don't know where he's going to be, so, but based on his play, he should be high on the board. It'll be up to every team whether or not they uh, believe he's he's healthy or not. But I, in that next tier, though, I think the targets for them could be Ronnie Harrison, safety from Alabama, Justin Reed, safety from Stanford, Sam Hubbard, defensive end from Ohio State, maybe even Connor Williams, guard tackle from Texas. Uh, I think that would be interesting. And I think maybe the one guy that we should be aware of is Mason Rudolph, the, mm-hmm. the quarterback from Oklahoma State. And if he's there at 46, there's just 10 guys right there. And the Bengals pick, you know, 14th in the, in the second round. I imagine one of those guys will probably be there. Yeah, it's – to me, I think I think they lean defense right now. And I, 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 I it's just – it's what they plugged their biggest need. The reason they took Price where they did, I don't think they loved any of the defensive players on the board at twenty-one. I, I, I obviously, I think that was part of it. And couple that with some of these guys falling. The idea of a Justin Reed falling to forty-six and that being the pick, I love it. I, and I love it because out of all those guys you mentioned, Josh Jackson, I'd be on board with. They want a ball hawk. They want a guy that's around the ball that can create turnovers and be a playmaker. Justin Reed was exactly that at Stanford. And he's athletic as hell. And, you know, they could use that back there. Um, he tested like a, a super athlete. He can play free safety. He did a lot of strong safety when, in terms of college football where they, where they cover uh, tight ends and cover the slot receiver. I think he could potentially be a nickel corner if, if they need him to be that way in a, in a big safety package. Um, I'd be all for Justin Reed. For me, I have a first-round grade on him. Uh, I think he's a better prospect than Billy Price in terms of upside and, and potential. So, yeah, I'd be all for that. I think that's the way you recover your draft. And my first mock draft for the Athletic, I had him taking Justin Reed at 21 and then grabbing center at 46. So if they did it in reverse order, it helps me feel much better about how they started this draft. Yeah, I would love an aggressive approach in round two. Let's say, and I, I'm with you, I think Landry probably goes to the Browns at 33. It would make a ton of sense. It, let's say he fell to 40. And the Bengals clearly aren't afraid to take guys that have lingering medical issues or anything like that. He's a top 10 player on some people's boards that I've seen. The Bengals could certainly use another pass rusher just because, hell, it was their, one of their biggest weaknesses, if not their biggest weakness a year ago. Why not go get a guy like Landry or a Reed or someone like that that's high on their board? In my eyes, now that you've plugged your biggest need, you can be aggressive here and get a premium talent that has fallen. And I wonder if they have to be aggressive to do that. Like I said, those 10 guys I listed, one of them's probably going to be there. And even right after that, I think like a Lorenzo Carter, outside linebacker from Georgia, uh, or a Austin Corbett, offensive line, Nevada. But if they want to stay defense, uh, I really like Josh Sweet or Sweat from uh, from Florida State. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of people have him as a late first rounder. If he's there and the Bengals take him, I'm all for that. But again, I think the defensive end, if they do pick one, should probably be a bigger guy that can kick inside. And that's why I don't know if Landry is the kind of guy they want. They drafted two smaller, faster edge rushers last year. I think if they do it, it'll be a big guy. And I think Sam Hubbard. That's why he makes a lot of sense there. Would you let's say? Uh, a Justin Reed's there, a Sam Hubbard's there, and a Ronnie Harrison is there. Your preference? Is there a preference? Reed, completely. I think Reed's the best of that trio with the most upside. Hubbard intrigues me. Um, he's a guy who killed like the agility drills, but having a, a slow 40 uh, and, and low end on production for, for typical defensive ends that'll get drafted in the top 50, uh, it, makes it, it makes him a unique case. 
in terms of analytics. So I think that's definitely why he's still going to be there. Uh, I'd be interested. Harrison, I'm completely fine with the pick. I think he's more of a Billy Price type pick on defense where he's good. You know what you're getting, good program, uh, safe pick. I don't know what his upside really is. All right, and then some other guys that, uh, in not just round two, but round three, I think an Arden Key from LSU would be a guy on their radar today, whether it's at pick 77 or pick 100. Who are some other players that we should be aware of? And and give us a a couple seconds on uh, on them. Yeah, defensive tackles, I think. uh, Tim Settle from Virginia Tech. Derek Nottie from Florida State. I wouldn't be surprised if they're high on their board. Uh, Jamarco Jones, Ohio State, if they still want to tackle, I still think we got another offensive line pick coming within the next, you know, if it's not second round, third round, probably with their one fourth round pick. Uh, Duke Dawson from Florida, nickel corner guy, if they want, well, I think he's a, a tremendous slot guy. So if you take him, you're probably letting Dark Wesner go, which is, uh, might be in the plans anyways. Kyle Laletta out of Richmond, they had a visit with him, quarterback. Uh, I think you get into a bunch of guys that maybe, Orlando Brown, Mason Cole on the offensive line. Maybe they start looking at receiver and Michael Gallup or Jamon Moore from Missouri. Deshaun Hand, a defensive end, defensive tackle from Alabama. He might be that kind of guy they want to kick inside a nickel. Um, those are who I have. I have also Arden Key at the top of that list for third-round targets. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Here's – give me and, – and I won't keep you much longer, but uh, like a Maurice Hurst, is that the – the dream almost at 46. Like I'm trying to think of, because the dream scenario almost happened yesterday with Derwin James. He fell to 17 and that was kind of my dream pick. Even, even though I loved Mike McGlinchey, I thought, wow, they could get a playmaking rangy safety, maybe the best safety in this draft at, uh, at 21. And it almost worked. What's the, the dream pick with the guy still available that you think, uh, or that you would love at 46. Well, I have seven first-round grades remaining, and then Landry, James Daniels, Josh Jackson, Maurice Hurst, Will Hernandez, and Justin Reed, and Connor Williams. So um, if they were able to secure any one of those guys, I think that's an A-plus second-round pick. So for me, uh, I'm cool with any one of those at, at that spot. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Really good draft coverage, a board that he will consistently update, and still 40% off. It is still 40% off. Still 40% off, so get it now, and you can read uh, his thoughts. I'm sure they're going to be quite interesting about the Bengals' first-round pick, William Price. Joe, this has been fun. It's your Christmas. Please enjoy it, and uh, don't be too bummed that the Bengals weren't able to get Frank Ragno. (laughs) You're not helping me right now. If they get James Daniels at 46, I'll forgive everything. What? James Daniels? No. You just mentioned all these guys. Daniels right. is in that list. And then you move uh, Billy Price to guard, or maybe Daniels plays guard. But you get an athletic interior offensive line, and it sounds great. I just don't think they'll go back-to-back O-line. No, I don't either. I think defense is the pick today. I do, too. Maurice Hurst. Let's do it. <laughs> He's Joe Goodberry. Thanks, man. All right. Good stuff there. Joe Goodberry joining us. Even though he's battling a cold, get this, he woke up not feeling well. He's done all this draft prep, watched all this film, and it's like it comes down to it. You heard him the other day. It's his Christmas, and he wakes up, and now he needs a bunch of Dayquil. I hope Joe feels better. It gives us a bunch of time, as always, and uh, we will get him on next week to recap all of the Bengals draft picks here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I wrote about Billy Price, the pick, why it makes sense, why um, I might not have made the pick. You know I probably wouldn't have made the pick but why the Bengals did, and uh, I think it's worth checking out 
why reaching for Billy Price makes sense. Check it out right now, LockedOnBengals.com. Also, Solomon Tetman's Prospect Spotlight, a in-depth film review of what Billy Price brings to the Bengals. Check it out as well on the website. And speaking of William Price, I talked with him yesterday. It was myself, it was former UC Bearcats and Carolina Panthers quarterback Tony Pike and ESPN 1530's Mo Egger. We were at Dickman's. Thanks, by the way. A bunch of people came out. I saw probably four or five locked-on listeners that specifically came up, didn't mention the radio stuff, said, hey, I listen to Locked On, and I thought that was really cool. So thank you guys for coming out. Uh, thanks for coming up and, and shaking my hand if I was up there or, or stopping me and, and saying hi while I was roaming around before uh, before I was up there to broadcast starting at 9. So it was a lot of fun. I hope to do that more. Maybe we'll try to get a a live broadcast of the podcast at somewhere, at a, uh, some kind of bar or something like that. Maybe we'll have to arrange that at some point as we get closer to the season. But one thing that uh, I do know, I do know that Billy Price is well-spoken. Like I said, Mo Egger, Tony Pike, and myself caught up with him last night on 700 WLW. Billy, we appreciate the time. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind uh, last hour or so. Congratulations. What's it like when you hear the commissioner call your name announcing that you've been drafted? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight, too. It is just unbelievable. Again, everything you've dreamed of as a young boy to be able to have that dream come true, I mean, there's just no words for it, man. Billy, as far as being picked by the Bengals, what was that feeling like? Obviously, you went to Ohio State, and it's just a couple hours a couple hours away from Columbus. Yeah, no, it's huge. It's a sense of pride, especially, I mean, you're staying home. You're staying in Ohio. I was, I was raised in Ohio. I went to Ohio State. So there's a huge sense of pride. Uh, being only an hour and 45 minutes away from Columbus, again, it's, just like, it's almost like your second home. Billy, watching you on tape, your, your mean streak is, is what separates you from, from other centers that I've seen. And, and to be a successful offensive lineman, you've got to be able to push through the whistle. Where does that come from for you? Is that something that's been built into you or you kind of picked up over the years to be that dominant center? I, I, for me, it's been something that's come over the years. I, I've been raised in the Youngstown area up in northeast Ohio, and there's a great sense of, of, of pride just in being tough and being gritty. And so for me, to being able to translate that to the field during my time in high school all the way up to my time during, at Ohio State, again, you go that plus two, you go that extra just to make sure you impose your will on people, and it starts to wear them out, and you start seeing really, really good things happen. Billy, in college, you played left guard, and then you slide over to right guard, and then last year you play center. Take us through the nuance of, of changing positions. What goes into playing center? I know all the pre-snap stuff. Obviously, you got the ball in your hands, but take us through what that transition was like going from guard to center in college. I mean, it really wasn't that too much of a difference. I mean, one, I was always the backup center at Ohio State, so I was always had my technique right. I always made sure that uh, I was able to snap the ball efficiently, making sure that there was no error in snaps. So for me this year, it was really to make sure that I was responsible to make those calls on the, on the line of scrimmage, make sure my offensive line was on the same page. And it was something, it was, it was an easier transition than what most would think. And being able to play both left guard, right guard, and center, I was completely involved in every piece of the offense. So it was just very, it was seamless for me. We're joined by Bengals top pick, Billy Price. And Billy, you made 55 starts in college. How heartbroken almost were you when you've been so durable throughout your collegiate career and then at the at the combine you obviously have the pectoral injury 
Yeah, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Again, something you don't expect to happen, and then all of a sudden, boom, your world just comes crashing down. Um, you know, you can't point the finger at what actually happened or what was the, the cause of it, but all you could do for me, it was get surgery and then start the rehab process and get healthy as fast as possible so that these teams know that, hey, you know, I, I might be down, but I'm bouncing back even stronger. Billy, so much goes into being a, a first-round draft pick. You know, the work you've put in, help from family, the teammates you've been able to play with. You've obviously played with some great quarterbacks. Talk a little bit about Coach Meyer and your coaches at Ohio State. How have they molded you and gotten you ready for this moment here in the first round? I mean, this is what you prepare for. You come in your freshman year, and again, the expectation at Ohio State is to win a national championship every single year. Win the Big Ten, win the national championship. And then for for your dreams and your hopes, especially going to the top top three program in the nation, is to make sure that you have that chance at the NFL. And when you do have that chance to succeed as well as you can and to be that guy once you get into that league. Uh, you know, in the past years, you see guys like Taylor Decker, Pat Elfline, Corey Lindsay, Andrew Norwell, uh, guys that have, have set this league on fire. Um, you know, Andrew Norwell is the highest paid guard right now in the NFL, and it, this is something that our coaches prepare us for. And it's just it's unbelievable to be able to have these resources right there at our school. Uh, take us through the pre-draft process, your impressions of, of the coaches, Marvin Lewis, uh, to whatever extent you sat down with, with the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, or, or the offensive coordinator, uh, Bill Lazor. I mean, from, from head to toe, all the way down, I mean, I spent an extensive amount of time uh, with uh, Coach Lewis, Coach Pollock, and Coach Laser. It was a situation that, again, it was very easy for me to get get around those guys, being able to uh, just translate the offensive, the NFL offensive playbook to college offensive playbook and the expectation. Uh, it just felt like home. I mean, again, talking to Coach Lewis, Coach Pollock, Coach uh, Laser, it just felt like the best place for me to be. And, again, I'm just I'm thrilled to be there. Billy, I know you released uh, something, at least to the team, saying how healthy you were. Where is your health now? What's the process now between now and training camp? I keep hearing how you're going to be ready for training camp, or that's the plan. Yeah, I'm going to be 100% ready. Uh, I just got the letter. I'll be uh, cleared here in two months, full go, no restrictions, and we'll be ready to go for uh, this upcoming season. Billy, great stuff. Fun night for you. Congratulations. I know a lot of Ohio State and Bengals fans are excited that uh, one of their own gets a chance to play for Cincinnati. Uh, awesome that you're staying in state. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the next couple of days. Good luck you, uh, during your rookie season, and hopefully we can uh, we can chat again, man. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Well, he's well-spoken, and he started a bunch of games for Ohio State. And look, I, I get it. I get the gripes. I, I think that... It might have been a reach. It was a reach. I wrote about how it was a reach to a certain extent. I also tried to explain why I'm okay with that reach. Check it out at LockedOnBengals.com. Look, guys, I'm excited. Guys and gals, men and women, children of all ages, LockedOnBengals.com is the place to be this weekend. I'm going to write, write, write. I told my significant other, I was like, hey, um, because I got like three hours of sleep. I, I stayed up. I got home from Dickman's at like 1230. Wrote for an hour, then had to do some show stuff. Woke up at 6.30 a.m., got a workout in, got here, interviewed Joe, got some stuff done radio-wise. And it's not complaining. This is the time. We are going to work, work, work. And uh, all that work is going to be posted at LockedOnBengals.com. Thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to tweet me your gripes, your complaints. Email me. And uh, until... Monday. I think I'm going to wait. Probably Sunday. Maybe I'll do a Sunday podcast recapping the draft. But uh, Monday for sure. But I will be writing about the draft throughout the process. 
at LockedOnBengals.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Bengals Podcast.